and welcome back to the Hairdryer Treatment Podcast. Manchester City took a big step towards a Premier League title this weekend as they avoided defeat against Liverpool, while there were shocks in both the race for the top four and the relegation scrap. All that's to come, but first, I'm your host and resident, Jordy Kieran, and tonight I'm joined by Chelsea and Rangers fan, Luke. Hey! Liverpool fan, Andy. Hello! And Partick Thistle and Brentford supporter, Steve. Come on, you bees! <laughs> How are we doing this week, boys? Uh, doing super doing great. <laughs> Anyone been up to anything interesting? Um, I spoke to a Sky Sports presenter today on Zoom. That was quite cool. Oh, did you? Who? You'll find out on the Eurotrips podcast. Do check it out. Oh, oh Andy. Oh, How did Andy. we get to be up there? Oh, oh, no. It fell away to my plate. It fell away to my plate. We've been recording for less podcast? than a minute, and he's already oh, plugged. He's already plugged his other podcast, Andy. <laughs> Do you know what, Kieran? Just put him in mute. That's it. Mute him for yeah, the that's a, podcast. That's, a, that's a punishment. I'm fine for No. That's an excellent punishment. idea. He's muted. He's muted. That's I, it. I wouldn't mind this as much if we got the same kind of like <laughs> plugs on his podcast. But exactly. We never do. <laughs> hey, what's exactly. your name? You've been a guest on my podcast many a time, Steve, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you don't plug it. You just say, here's Steve, who does a podcast with me. And that's it. That's all you do. <laughs> We're moving on. I tell you what, though, Steve, seeing as he's muted, right? Liverpool are terribly. Yeah. Worst <laughs> team I've ever seen. They have no First half, definitely. <laughs> First half, definitely. Awful. Well, we've got that. Um, that. That's our first topic for today, anyway. So we might as well just dive straight into it. Uh, Andy, you want to give us your thoughts on City Liverpool two two? Not a great result for you. I'd say that, but then I would take the draw before. Or I would take the draw definitely after the first half. I think that you know you went into this game obviously wanting a win, but the way the first, at least the first 35, 40 minutes went, or the first half. It could have been more than two one. I must say, we, I think Fabinho had played his worst game in the Liverpool shirt. Um, Trent's passing was at times really off. Um, Salah looked non-existent uh, at times in the first half, and I think that from that point of view, I was really, I, I, I said to myself, you know what, right now I'll take a draw. And then straight away, second half, we got the equaliser. Um, we did have a period. Of, after the goal where we could have gone 3-2 ahead but then to me at the end of the day even though it's a draw um, and this, this instant it's in the hands again I can easily see both teams winning every game now the rest of the year uh, it is nice that it's just one point because you never know you never know someone could slip up along the way Yeah I mean if you look at uh, Wolves' remaining fixtures this season sorry City's remaining fixtures this season they still have to play Wolves Brighton Watford Leeds Newcastle, West Ham and Aston Villa. That's a fixture list that you should realistically expect Man City to not really falter in, is it? No, I mean, if you look at form, Steve will like this, looking at form, the one team they may be worried about is maybe Brentford because they've been in excellent form these last two, three, four weeks. So I think that could be a tough game. West Ham could be a tough game. Um, but yeah, apart from that, you think they'd beat Watford, you think they'd beat... Lead probably Newcastle as well. I mean, yeah, they, don't play, they, they, don't, they don't play Brentford, by the way. If I said that, I do. They well, not? I didn't mean that. Um, no. Because for I saw Brentford somewhere not on their fixture list, no, maybe I'm wrong. But, um, it's um, not that I can see. I can see Wolves, Brighton, Watford, Leeds, Newcastle, West Ham, and Aston Villa left. Yeah. Right. Come on, Stevie G, on the last day of the season. I'm hoping Stevie G can do something to help us on the last day, and Coutinho for that matter. Uh, it could be written in the stars that way. Let me just uh, pull up Liverpool's fixtures for the rest of the season. Liverpool. Yeah, I think ours is harder, but then I think for us, we always play better against the big teams. We always seem to struggle more against the smaller teams at times. Sometimes you find it hard to break them down. So I think... Yeah, yours is a lot harder. If you look at your fixture list in the Premier League, you've still got Man U to play. Uh, you've still got the Merseyside derby. You still have Newcastle and James's Park, which is not going to be easy, by the way, because Newcastle mm-hmm. and James's Park since Christmas has been a total different prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have... Then you have Spurs, Villa, Southampton, Wolves, and end the season at um, well. And then you still have Man U to play away as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got two fixtures against Man U, a Merseyside derby, uh, and a Spurs game against a team that are well, a Spurs side that are very much in form at the moment. So we've got we've got two against Man U. Yeah. 
Because yeah. well, he obviously beat him 5-0 at Old Trafford earlier in the well, year. Well, I don't know why it's saying, that. oh, it's a club friendly. Why is that there? That's, that's so random. Why is that there? No idea. It must be a testimonial or something, eh? Ah, that's strange, isn't it? What, yeah. for, um, what, for Ralph Ragnick? Either way, yeah, that's on, for some reason, that's on Liverpool's uh, fixture list for um Looks like, it looks like it's just a friendly this some, uh, sometime over the summer. But either way, disregard that. You end the season at Wolves, yeah. uh, with Wolves at home. Yeah. All right. I mean... Luke, opinions on the game? I mean, Liverpool perhaps a little bit fortunate in the second half. There was, of Thiago absolutely should have been sent off because he committed about 16 yellow card offences. Um, he totally did. He totally and, did. Yeah. And Fabinho was very lucky as well. I thought as well with that card that earned. I I thought Fabinho could have easily been sent off as well. And I thought, honestly, I thought it was a great game of football. Actually, I thought it was a great advert. Oh, it was excellent. Game. Um, and I've just about got my breath back. I mean, I was out of breath just watching the game because there was, was just so much going on in it. But um, but yeah, it, Thiago, I thought should have had two yellows definitely. I mean, uh, Andy will disagree with me, but really. Even, I even the first one. I was going to say, I don't think it will this week, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, the first one was a, a proper professional foul, good goodwill for the team. Um, but the, the other ones were just reckless, really. And, and it was almost like he, he kind of hadn't realised he was on a yellow. Um, I, I just don't understand it. And he's not the best tackler anyway, but he just always yeah. seems to do that. But what a game. I mean, really, end to end stuff. Um, I actually thought Salah was really disappointing, actually. That was the one. Um, and, and I thought that actually Cancelo got the better of him for the most part in the game um, and kept it him was. pretty quiet and that's quite something you know <laughs> uh, yeah I mean I would agree for the most part but then he did provide mm-hmm. a little uh, bit of magic and the assist for the goal uh, for the equalizer. yeah but, but you, you know kind of you expect him to score and stuff and, and you know things yeah. like that so I, I didn't I thought that in general even though he you know he did provide that assist and you are quite right but Actually, overall, he was disappointing. You know, he, he really, you know, he didn't, he did, you know, they kept him in check for a lot of the game and I thought they achieved that. And I thought City were brilliant. I thought they were very unlucky not to win, to be honest. That was my take on it. Fair enough. Andy, you have a point to make, Paul? I just want to make a comparison with Thiago. He, for me, <laughs> is Spanish Paul goals because he's a great player. He, can set, he, sets, he sets a tempo wonderfully, but... Both in common, they both can't tackle to save their lives. I mean, Thiago... I think Steve is about to have a panic attack, by the way. All schools is an over-the-ball merchant. Was always, he's a great player, but he's a over-the-ball merchant. Thiago Alcantara is the Spanish league Cartmel. He's not. He's a good player. He's better than he's better than Lee Cartmel could ever dream of being. But honestly, Paul <laughs> so Scholes you, was... Luke, to be fair. I know. That's true, actually. That's true. I was in my peak. And <laughs> I, I was going to say it's a succession of troughs, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but but literally, I mean, th- this is the thing about it. I mean, I, I I think Thiago has probably had a good career because Guardiola rates him so highly. But other than that, I think he would just be an also ran in the Spanish League. I, I, I think he's been... The grade. I think he's been excellent. I think... He's really. I think last season he was poor, but this season I think he's really improved. I would. It wouldn't shock me if he's in team of the year because our record with him and without him is just mm-hmm. totally different. And I think he just some of the passes he makes in in these games is just extraordinary. And I think that he really does this year has really been one of the key components of our team. Before mm-hmm. yesterday, Liverpool had a perfect record whenever both Thiago and Fabinho had played together. Um, is that step. right? Yeah. That's a good start, actually. I hadn't realised that. There you I go. Think, okay. uh, the, whenever they both started together, I think that's just this season, I have to say. But either way, when they, yeah. when they're just this season, whenever those two would start together, um, Liverpool have won every game. So mm, interesting that they were potentially both. Uh, is it is it harsh to say the weak links in the team yesterday? Because, uh, well, they were somewhat overrun in midfield, Hardy. They were a bit, weren't they? Yeah, I think if Thiago went back to Spain, you know, he's kind of he, he played for a team like Granada, right? He wouldn't even make the squad in Sevilla. Um, his, his Are you ceiling, joking? His ceiling would be Real Sociedad. That's that's where that's where he is. I, I think he'd be playing for like a Valencia or someone like that, and I think he'd probably do quite well in them. But I, but I don't Val- think Valencia without... terrible right now. But he would be he, back he, in Barca straight away. Do you think so? 
Do you think so? He could not get enough He's, of the team. Not he is chance. an excellent player and he has been brilliant this year and he, He's a he good will fit player, in most but... teams in Europe. Well, if, in, in, terms, in terms of he wouldn't even get into Sevilla's team, well, I think he, I, I think they'd take him over both um, Juan Jordan and Ivan Rakitic. <laughs> Personally, I mean, I mean, I think City would take him in that, front, in that middle three. Imagine De Bruyne, Gundogan, or imagine De Bruyne, Rodri, Antiago, that would be an excellent controversial opinions pod, is it? Is no, it's so a correct opinion. We've had the argumentative one, and then <laughs> Andy's, the Andy's hot takes pod here. <laughs> this oh, is I've a hot take episode. I've got plenty of oh. other ones like that, but um, oh, it's uh, the, ha- the hair yeah, treatment podcast in association with Eurotrips. I'm going for that. And he's got plenty of other hot takes, but he saves them for the other podcast. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And do check out all Apple's, Apple Podcasts and all Spotify networks. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> How about the um, Sunderland's the Better Team in Newcastle podcast? What was that? What was that? You just stay mute. I, I, I couldn't can, can hear him because he's on mute. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You just mind your language, boy. Right. <laughs> I'm going to calm myself down after that. Hey, what is sailing close to a window? To pull it back to the original topic, um, I'm more in agreement with Luke than I am with Andy. Um, I know I'll, I'll talk about with Andy. I agree that before the game, I think Liverpool would have taken a draw. Um, I absolutely I don't, by the way. I think City would have. I don't think Liverpool would have before the game. Mm, I, I think it, it keeps it open. Um, I think, you know, but the main thing that Liverpool had to do was not lose. Right, so they would have taken a draw. They wanted to win. Obviously, both teams wanted to win, but Liverpool, I think that was the result both teams were happy with because it keeps things alive for the next six games. But I agree with I agree with Luke in that Liverpool should have the City should have won that game. Um, that was the narrowest of offsides by VAR for Sterling, um, and obviously then Mares smacked the post late on. It was just that game got away from Liverpool towards the end. They were they were pushing too hard to get that winner um, and they couldn't break City down. I mean, that, that mm. pass from Salah for the goal was magnificent, but it was the only really great creative move we saw from them in the second half. Everything else mm. was kind of like, it was effort, you know, and, and, and passion, but it wasn't, there was no no quality there, no final ball to get it through to Salah and Manny, you know, up top. So I think the result was the right result. I think it was a fair result. Both teams were happy with it. Maybe City a little less happy because I, I genuinely think they could have won it. And had they won it, I don't even think the title would have been over because I've got a feeling that City are going to drop points again. Um, and I've got a feeling Liverpool are going to drop points again as well as we get towards the business end of the European competitions. All right. Given that this is the Hot Takes podcast, I would like you to look at Manchester City's <laughs> remaining fixtures and tell me which games they're going to drop points in. All right. Hang on. City, City, April. Okay. City against so, Brighton. City, Watford. Oh, City, Leeds United. Okay, now, Leeds United, I'm going to call that one because I'm looking at the form table just now and Leeds are actually in the top half of the form table almost dead level with City. Leeds, they haven't lost in the last four and they've won three of them and they've been keeping clean sheets. Jesse Marsh has made a real difference to how that team plays. Right, okay. and Newcastle... We, we talked earlier about how Leeds couldn't do it without, you know, with Bamford and the talismanic strikers. They've won three out of the last four without Bamford. You know, he's got them playing in a style that suits the players. And I think, I actually think Leeds are safe already in terms of relegation. Um, and I think they could, a couple more wins, make a push for the top 10. Really? Interesting. I I agree with Kieran. I just can't see him dropping points to any of his games. I just, I just the, more, the more I think about it, the more I think, you know what, I just don't. There's teams they're playing. I mean, I just don't see where. Because yeah, I just don't see where they're going to drop points. I think there's there's win every game, and I could just see them doing what happened three years ago, whenever it was when both teams or when City just absolutely just just won every game towards the end of the year and just didn't show any signs of slowing down. I think the only thing with me is with City, I can see them maybe dropping points in one game, um, once before the end West of the season, and, every, and everybody West going Ooh. maybe. Oh, is that the is that the game? Is that Liverpool? I can see Liverpool dropping game, dropping points in two or three before the end of the season. Absolutely, mm. there's no Absolutely. way to me they, they drop points to what, but they might against Brighton because Brighton played really well against Arsenal this week. Yeah, um, but 
I, to me, it's Leeds is the game where if City came out of that with three points, I think that's that's them safe. Personally, I think the game against games. I think the game against Newcastle on the eighth of May is a, is a real banana skin. Actually, I think <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not going to lie. Got, I actually feel weak to recover after the, the, the Leeds <laughs> game for that. So there's no. No, when, when, that, if, when are the when are the Champions League semi-finals? Fourth uh, of May, I believe. Oh, so May, yeah. that could mean that City have got a midweek game before they play Newcastle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, Newcastle at the Etihad is typically Newcastle. No, but Newcastle at the Etihad is like typically an absolute annihilation. We never ever get anything at the Etihad. It's nearly always going to be team. a doing. I'm, I'm with you on that. You've got the best team that. that Newcastle have had in, in a long time, and you've been you've been showing up against other teams, bigger teams. There's absolutely no reason Newcastle can't show up against City this year. Oh, you know, I mean, you're not wrong. There's no reason why, why, but there's no reason why not. But I don't think we will. I just can't see it. Like traditionally, that's not a good ground for us. Um, still, Andy, if you guys beat City on whatever day that is, I will play. I will play at my funeral, local hero. Uh, Can I have that in writing, please? No, because <laughs> I know what song I'm having. <laughs> <not that>, but... <laughs> I'd like to have that in writing, um, and I would also like it to be changed to the Blatant Racers. Thank you. Blatant Racers? I don't think <laughs> heard that. All I know is Local Hero. Well, Local Hero is not our anthem. Blatant Racers is, so do your research. Uh, well, I thought, I thought Local Hero is the one they play in the stadium when you... When you yeah, um, do do your research, hero. journalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all I know is they play local here at the stadium before we go. Not always. Well, I have, not really at the minute. Stick about, I haven't got Andy's stick about they changed that. Being, being a journalist who's not uh, who's not quite doing his research on certain sports before talking about them. <laughs> was not playing basketball of late. Hey, hey, hey. I just say I want to be a basketball judge. <laughs> I must say that. But I didn't know but a talk, player from 10 years ago whenever it was. Yeah, talk, talking about players that he doesn't even know exist. Or teams that he's never heard of, like legends of the sport that he's never heard of. It's like hey, I don't watch that much. Who was who it? Who was it? He's never heard of. Uh, it was one of the Denver players, wasn't it? It was one of the uh, the Denver kind of legends. I think it was Matombo. You hadn't heard of. You, you can't remember yourself. You can't remember it yourself. So be quiet. I can remember. I can remember schooling you about the NBA for about thirty minutes when you. Uh, yeah, but I didn't, say, I didn't say I was an expert on the NBA. I never, I never told you I was an expert. You're right because you're not. <laughs> No, exactly. That's my point. You can't, you can't mock them, yeah. and I don't even. Like, have you, you, to you, the NBA started around about 2014, I think. <laughs> 2018. <laughs> yeah. before that. To be fair, I'm in a similar boat there. <laughs> I, I like, I, I, I watch, but I don't know much before like 2010. So yeah, I'm similar boat, Andy. Don't worry. I don't care about basketball. <laughs> there you go. Don't care. Fair enough. Because you got a head like one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Um, if we had to sort of predict where the title is going to go now, one point in it, seven games left apiece. Um, where would we say it? And what's the margin going to be? Uh, we'll go around. Andy? Uh, City, one point. Interesting. So are both teams to win out then? All right. Or maybe both teams drop points once, but um, yeah. Uh, City, four points. Nice, Luke. City by four points. City. Oh, I'm not the impressions of back, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the um, the two lads, and I'm going to go for City four points. Not much faith in the scouts, but anyway, we move on. Sorry, to... Andy. <laughs> I like how Andy has no faith in his own team as well. It's like, it's like, you know, back your lads, even on the corner. Get into it. <laughs> I, it, it it's, it's cool being modest. Anyway, boys, we've got, to move, we've got to move on to the next topic, which is uh, the relegation scrap, which is getting, well, it's been a little bit tasty, but this week, oof, four of the teams who are threatened with the relegation won, and, uh, well, two of the three in the relegation zone lost. Um, so Newcastle beat Wolves 1-0 on Friday night. I was there. Great atmosphere. Great result for us. I think that's probably us pretty much safe now. Uh, Everton then... Pulled off probably the shock of the weekend, beating Manchester United 1 0 in the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. Watford got absolutely pummeled by Leeds 3 0. Um, 
And then what was the other one? Oh, and then Brentford beat West Ham 2 0 on Sunday as well. On Super Sunday, which is. Aaron, I, need, I need to get you this. We were never in that relegation battle. We were always, always going to be safe. Uh, no, you were absolutely in that relegation battle. You've been in the top, you've been in the bottom six since January. So <laughs> you were you were you were there or thereabouts, don't worry. You found form at just the right time. Yeah, just run about the time Christian Eriksen came out of the team, just as I kind of predicted in the previous <laughs> podcast. Yeah, man, better creative genius in the midfield, and that was it. That's all we needed. It still wasn't enough to beat Newcastle, though, was it? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it was it was enough to beat <laughs> It was enough to beat, I don't know, uh, you know, like uh, West Ham. It's enough to beat you know, Burnley. You know, it's enough to beat all the teams around us that we needed to beat to be. Apart from Newcastle, safe. right? But moving on. <laughs> all right, I think this, the question from this one is pretty simple. After this weekend, uh, you're now looking at a situation where Burnley are on 24 points, four points behind Everton with uh, eight games left to play each. Then you've got Watford on ni- uh, in 19th on 22 points. Norwich last on 21 points. They've both played 31 as well. <sighs> is the title, uh, is the relegation scrap now a done deal, Luke? Is that, is that it? Will it change from this point onwards? You know, watching Burnley is hard to see how they're going to score goals, actually. That's the thing that worries me about them. They, they, you know, they have been puffed a lot. I watched the game against Norwich. And they didn't really, you know, they, they really struggled. Um, I'd like to think with Sean Dyche's team that they've still got a surprise or two up their sleeves. And I think they've got an easier run-in. I was looking at the run-in, and I think that run-in is marginally easier than, than Everton's. Um, they've only really got Newcastle and Tottenham to be worried about in terms of the, you know, big clubs to play. Whereas if you look at uh, Everton's, they've got yeah. Chelsea, Leicester, uh, they've got Arsenal, do you know what I mean? And they've got they, they've got Liverpool and Leicester as well. So they've they've got a tough run in. And so I don't think Burnley are completely out of it, but I think they need to find some goals in fast. Well yeah, um, I, mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if I don't know if anyone watched the game with Carroll Road yesterday. Mm. Oh. Mm. Uh, it, it was brutal. It was a typical relegation scrap and Burnley look just Utterly hopeless. Yeah, yeah. The, the one real yeah. chance that they had in the game felt the Maxwell Corney after a great cross from uh, Dwight McNeil to the far post. Mm. Maxwell Corney has come in, must have been about two and a half, three yards out, and somehow he managed to like completely ankle it, get the contact all wrong, and it some and it went wide. But that just summed them up, yeah. really. Mm. Mm. I'm kind of, I'm looking at the fixtures here, and I'm thinking all the teams in the bottom four. Um, and to be honest, I don't really think Leeds and Newcastle are in this now. I think we're looking at just there's just it's three from four, and I think one of them's already down. Um, I'm looking at the the the, the fixture list that actually, yeah, Burnley might not be the greatest in terms of scoring, but you look at the last seven games, they've got two or three very winnable games there. Mm-hmm. They've got Southampton and Wolves both at home, they're away to Watford, and that will be a big one. Um, and they're home to Villa, whose form is ropey right now. Away at Spurs, yep. I can't see them taking anything from that. And then again, away at Villa, we were a bit dodgy. And then come to Newcastle come to Turf Moor on the last day. And it really depends what Newcastle show up. Is it the Newcastle that kind of looked really great when you know once they turned that corner up and that little mm. string of wins? Or is it the Newcastle that kind of suffered those like edgy 1-0 defeats here and there? Because that's the kind of thing Burnley do to you. You know, you go against them, you, you dominate the game and they, they hit you in the break, they hit you with set piece. You know, there's just, for Burnley, I think, when I look at the fixture list, they've got the, I'm not saying the easiest run-in, they've got the, the weakest um, run-in compared to the guys around them. Everton's mm. run-in is horrific. Yeah, Everton's run-in is, like, I think it's been plenty uh, spoken about in the mainstream media. Everton's run-in is just minging, really. But I think the question has to be asked of Burnley. If they're going to Norwich, who are, probably the worst team in the league and will like more than likely finish bottom in this league. If they're going to Norwich and losing 2-0 and not even looking like hardly scoring a goal at any point during the game, uh, other than that one little chance they had, how are they going to beat anybody else? If they can't beat Norwich, how, who, mm. how are they going to win a game? Andy, I mean, that said, they did beat uh, Everton last week, but Andy, what what's the difference between those two games? How, are they got, how, is, how did things change so drastically? Between what Wednesday and Sunday? 
It's hard to tell because on paper you think Man U, since the Everton, you think they'll lose to Burnley or they'll lose to Man U and then they went and beat Man U. So I don't know whether, I mean, I did question Sean Dyche's comments after saying, oh, we told Everton, we said Everton were, didn't know how to win. I think that was a bit of a risky comment because it's not over mm. yet. He's acting like they'd already survived relegation. So I think, I don't know whether they thought, oh, we could beat Everton there for or maybe they thought, oh, that if we beat Everton there for we're going to beat Norwich. So maybe they've got overconfident. Maybe Norwich, I don't know. It's really weird. It's a really weird week because you thought when they beat Everton, you thought, right, that's it. They're going to win against Norwich on the weekend. Everton are going to get a draw at best against Man U and Everton are going to be in the bottom three. And now it's four points between them. So I can't actually explain what happened on how they lost to Norwich after beating Everton. I really don't know. I don't understand that either. Strange one, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I don't know if anybody saw the um, the highlights or of the Leeds v uh, Watford game, but yeah, Watford, Watford are in absolute shambles in that game. Defensively, I've, I've it's so unlike a Roy Hodgson team. The, the, the way in which they conceded those goals to Leeds were just absolutely horrific. They just... Are they, are they already dead happens, buried? Yeah, this, this is what happens when you bring in a manager and you basically say to him, I've already decided what players we're going to have and you've got to try and like coach them mm. in some kind of organised system. And Hodgson hasn't had the players to play his system since he walked in the door. I think if they got a hold of Hodgson before the start of the season and said, right, now come in, we'll let you pick the kind of players you need to keep us up, I think they've been in a better position. But mm. he came in and he'd inherited two people's mess. He'd inherited uh, Ranieri's and he'd inherited... Who was the previous manager? I can't remember. The guy they said at the start. Garcia. Garcia, yeah. I mean, he'd inherited two different managers. Was it he, had, he had a bunch of players with no competence um, who tactically didn't know what they were doing every week. you know. And he's just... You can't galvanise a team like that in such a short period of time. I think if they given it got them at the start of the season, and you know, by now we'd be seeing a much stronger looking Watford at the back at least. But they just, you know, he hasn't got the players there to play the style of football he wants. Uh, there was no way, I think, when he when you brought him in, it was just a little bit of topping up Roy's pension pot. He ne- never at any point did I think to myself that he can keep them up. Yeah, right. Their managers this season have been Hodgson, Ranieri, and Cisco Munoz. Oh, that's right. That's who it was. There's been that many managers at Watford. Who knows? Who's the manager this week? That's just what they do. It's just, I mean, it's in, you know, I tell you what, it'd be about stability. Well, I think it would be, uh, it would be some undertaking. It would be some, one hell of a quiz question if somebody asked you to name the last 10 uh, Watford FC managers. In fact, let's do it. Can you? Can you name the last 10 Watford managers? Uh, Ranieri, Hodgson, and Zisco Nunez. <laughs> right, that's oh, three. Thing, um, Oh, who's the one that that was there? Uh, Kiko Sanchez Flores. Yeah, I put his name. I, I give you uh, Kiko Sanchez Flores. Nigel Pearson. Nigel Pearson. Yeah. Oh um, God. Uh, God. Ma- Marco Maserati. Is that his name? No. Uh, no. No. Marco Ma- Maserati never managed them. No, Man. Marco. It's something like that. Something like that. The one it is. It, it is something like that, but it's not that. Mal- Maltarati. Marco Mal- Silva. Marco Silva. You're getting, and he's getting two mixed up. Marco Silva is one. And no, definitely Garcia. Yeah, Javi Grazia. Oh, who's uh, the Slaviska Jovanovic? Slaviska Jovanovic. That's right. Slaviska Jovanovic is not one of them. No, who was the film manager that they brought in? Mark, uh, that was. Was that. No, that's uh, Marco, uh, Marco Silva's current film manager, isn't he? No, uh, Slavisa Ikanovic oh. is there, by the way. Oh, I, and Slavisa like Ikanovic, Luke, yeah. but that's too far back than the last 10. He's not in the last he was 10. Pure miles ago, wasn't he? He was the one that Hayden Mullins 2014. Yeah, Hayden Mullins. Hayden twice. Mullins is a caretaker, that's right. Hayden yeah, Mullins yeah. as caretaker I mean, I manager Harvey, twice. And I, have, I said Harvey, Harvey Garcia earlier, didn't I? Yeah, Harvey Garcia is one of them. He's a missing, yeah, he's a missing only two. What no, Walter Mazzari, yeah. And you Googled that to yeah. so stop cheating. Um, no, I didn't Google that. I didn't yes, Google it. Yes, you did, Andy. Yes, you did. Typing. You did. I didn't. I can see the reflection of your browser in your teeth. Stop lying. Um, no, I, I didn't Google it. Gianfranco Zola? <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah, the only one you the only one you're missing from the last ten is Vladimir Ivic, uh, Serbian manager who was 
coach when they were in the championship. Was he was Bally only McKinley in charge there at any point. Who? Bally McKinley. Uh, 2014. 2014. I like how it's like we're talking about eight years ago, and that's still outside of the last 10 managers. That's mental, isn't it? Isn't it mental? Yeah, I mean, the last, like, you go back to, if you go back to 2015 to Kike Sanchez Flores, it's Kike Sanchez Flores, Walter Mazzari, Marco Silva, Javi Grazia, Kike Sanchez Flores again, Nigel Pearson, Hayden Mullins as caretaker twice. Vladimir Ivic, Cisco Munoz, Claudio Ranieri, and Roy Hudson. That's just going back seven years. Um, absolutely. That's unbelievable, isn't it? It's, it is crazy. Your team, team shouldn't be allowed that. They shouldn't be allowed to that just chop and change massively like this. It's insane. All right, but Vladimir Where did they come from? I guess Steve is a Chelsea fan. I can't really comment on this. But even uh, Chelsea are uh, looking at like a quarter of that. that. <laughs> I know. But that's the thing. That what's mental is Chelsea are known for the hiring environment. But I, I think Chelsea have only had a like I would say about a quarter of the amount of managers in the same time frame. Even Chelsea fans are going, "Come on, now, lads, this is here's, too much." Here's Come the on. thing, right? <laughs> Whoever takes for Chelsea, right? Do you think the next board, the next set of owners, will have the same approach that uh, Abramovich had? Just hire and fire constantly, or will they look for long term stability? Will they bring in someone and say, right, you are going to manage this team for the next three years, so tell me how how you want to build this It'll depend who the owners are. If they're American, then yes. That's basically it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. If they're American, then that's very much... Obviously, they all like we all follow American sports. We know that that's pretty much the way it works in US sport. Um, Absolutely. You have a bad season, you're out the door. So... I do think it'll be somewhat similar if it, if it's if it is the Ricketts family or any of the other American consortiums. I just looked up Vladimir Ivich there when you mentioned him, and I thought I'll, I'll look up see you know what kind of giant of the modern game he is. And prior to managing Watford, he was at Maccabi Tel Aviv and PAOK Salonika. It's like that's the quality of manager they were appointing. Yeah, he's, he's definitely just chucked his CV in on Indeed there, hasn't he? Like that's. that's <laughs> It's a really weird one, that isn't it? <laughs> All right, boys. Um, we'll finish up the relegation chat. We'll have a little bit of a prediction for this as well. Um, I think I all know what you're going to say, but for the bottom three from 18th, 19th, and 20th in order, Andy. I'm going to go for Burnley, Norwich, Watford. Norwich to finish above Watford. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Steve? Uh, I think actually the bottom three at the moment is going to be Norwich uh, 20th, Warford 19th, Everton 18th. There we go. There's the hot take I was looking for. I'm glad somebody did it. Uh, Luke? Watford to finish bottom, Norwich, then Everton. Ooh! No love for the scouts. Oh, take-tastic. Come on! <laughs> sorry. By the way, sorry to my pal Mark that's listening. He's an Everton fan. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yep, don't, say sorry. don't feel sorry for him I don't feel sorry for him I wouldn't feel sorry for him either because he's an Everton fan so he fucking deserves it right uh, <laughs> moving on to the battle for the top four which is well it's getting pretty tasty this weekend Arsenal, West Ham and Man United all lost while Tottenham went and absolutely battered Aston Villa so Tottenham must be absolutely laughing this morning. Um, they're sitting in fourth on 57 points. Arsenal are just behind them on 54 points, but with a game in hand. West Ham on 51, alongside Man U on 51, but West Ham have played 32 games. Um, and Man United only played 31. It's really, really tight there. And you've got to think that there could be possibly jobs on the line um, in this little battle I mean well, mm-hmm. we all know I think we all know Ralph Rangnick's not going to be the Manchester United manager next season anyway but this weekend was just strange wasn't it like the Everton game Man United Steve you asked for this so Man United we'll start with that like yeah, yeah. what the hell where where do we start with Man United I mean Gary Neville's pretty much turned on the team for the last three four weeks and he's right to do so um, I've said all season that Ronaldo is not the answer to their problems. They kind of went out and bought the big name, but in doing so, they, they damaged the stability in the team. 
Ranić came in and Ranić can't he can't impose his style on the team because he hasn't got the players that can do it. Um, he brought in the likes of Rashford to start this week. Rash- everyone's been clamouring for Rashford to get a game. Rashford was average, truly average. Something has gone in that boy's head. He doesn't have the confidence. He doesn't think he's the same player he was two years ago. He doesn't think he's that mm. England international that can you know can just run at anybody and beat them in and fire it at the far corner. Um, and what Ranya can't do is he can't instill confidence in players who need that hand on their shoulder because everybody knows he's not there next season. You know, he can maybe berate them a little bit in private, but if he's doing that, he's not getting the desired result. Um, there's, there's a lot of um, players in that team who are playing for their contracts next year. Uh, Pogba's on his way out, obviously. Uh, Ronaldo, there's talk he won't stay. Rashford, they're talking about him. He's going to go. Um, the the set of the park, they just don't have that piece of quality anymore. You know, for, picking from Fred, McTominay, Matic, you know, with, they, they don't have that world-class holding midfield to sit in front of their back four, right? And they have got, you know, in Varane, they've got one of the best centre-backs in the league, but he's just not playing like one of the best centre-backs in the league. And Maguire is terrible. I don't think there's anyone has tried to defend Maguire in pretty much since the World Cup. He's just steadily got worse and worse and worse. And I know he comes out with the interviews saying, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I accept my, my performance is a little bit below, sta- below standard, but Ranić hasn't got the confidence to say, I'm going to drop you. I'm going to start with, like, Bailly. I'm going to start with Lindelof ahead of you. He's just continuing to play a player who is playing badly, out of form, and is dragging the team down with him. So, if you had to put your finger on one problem in particular at Manchester United, would it be just the manager and his choices? It would be that lack of stability, that lack of the, the team aren't playing for the manager and they're not playing for themselves. They're not, you'd expect players who are kind of out of contract and moving on in the summer to really push on and say, well, I need to prove myself either here to get a new contract or elsewhere. But none of them are. The likes of Pogba, he's just strolling through games. I mean, there's a, a very overused meme of Graham Sunes going, you know, no matter what happens in the world, yeah, but, you know, where was where Pogba was when all this happened? All this? Yeah. 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 But, it's absolutely accurate. You watch games with him and he, he could be playing with his hands in his pockets. He genuinely doesn't care. He knows no matter what happens, he's going to walk on a quarter of a million pound a week contract with Juventus or PSG at the end of the season. Pogba stopped playing in January when he came back. He's the key cutter of football, doesn't he? He stopped playing about four years ago for Man U, didn't he? He just yeah. doesn't care. Does not care. He genuinely, he looks, there's no, Complete you can see this body language in the players. There's just no passion about them. Right, you can get seventy thousand fans behind you at Old Trafford, roaring you on, but you don't get the same. You don't get the reaction from the players the way you maybe did, you know, under previous managers. And I think when Solskjaer was any of the younger players who were looking to establish themselves, and he could push them like that, and the fans got behind them, he got a better reaction. I think the veterans he's got in that squad just let him down so badly. Um. So here's a question for you, then, boys. I know we're uh, we're going to talk a bit about Arsenal after this question, um, and obviously they're not in great form, so it might seem a little bit weird to ask this question. But uh, should Man United basically use Arsenal as an example of what they've done over the last four or five years, and then this summer, next, look to clear out the, all the dead wood? Uh, well, not necessarily dead wood, but all the older players, the toxic players, the Paul Pogba's, uh, the players with the big egos and the big contracts. Um, and look to build again with youth, which it looks like Eric Tan Hogg's going to be the man coming in. He's um, yet another Pep Guardiola understudy at one point or another, I believe. Um, he's another one who believes in youthful football. And basically, should they accept a couple of seasons of mid-table obscurity, sitting eighth, ninth, tenth in the Premier League table, to then be able to fight back properly in a few years' time? With a completely new philosophy, with a completely new, new-looking club, um, a youthful team, um, and a new manager who looks like he's going to be there, who could be there for for years to come. Should they use Arsenal as the example and try and replicate that to a certain extent? Should they? Yes. Should they? Will they? No, because they've got the Glazers in charge. You 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 hit on it earlier. Man United have got owners who treat it like an NFL franchise. You've got a year, mm. maybe 18 months, and now you're out the door. They don't value that stability. If they did, it says they would never have gone you know, outside of Solskjaer and says, oh, we're going to go on high Ronaldo, even though you've built your team and you've built your everything through the season. You've built 
how you want to play. You've, you've got your players in. You know, they just, they will go out next season and they will buy more big-name players who will either sink or swim. You know, they'll either come in and look world beaters or they'll come and be completely dysfunctional. And I don't see United getting out of that kind of battle for fifth, sixth, seventh for a good four or five years, possibly even until they get rid of the existing owners. Yeah, um, that's a fair point. But Andy, just do you see the Glazers maybe changing the direction based upon the fact that they've had well a few years of what Manchester United would probably deem failure now um, in order to look to rebuild? I'd say yeah, but I think the Glazers have proven since even since they've joined the club as owners that they don't really understand football, they don't really get football. So mm-hmm. um, it wouldn't shock me if nothing happens. Like you see, maybe the people, people below them, like maybe the, the new cheek is active, maybe he would do something about that. Um, I think something needs to be done because I think you're right with Arsenal, they've gone through youth and they've gone like people like Smith Rope, Kaio Saka. People like Kieran Tierney, they've bought you're young, they've they've gone for the youth you set up. And even though they have, they've had a bad week, they've had a pretty good season in my eyes. And I think it's proven that their their sort of trust in the youth is coming to fruition. Whereas I think uh Man U, they've got they seem to buy a lot of these players. You look at the uh Varane, Schweinsteiger, Falcao, all these players that are sort of just below 30. And I think they've tried all these big names below the age of 30. Um, or even people like Ronaldo above, above the age of 13, most of them haven't worked out. And I think they need to maybe look at now, obviously buying, they bought someone like Sancho for a lot of money who is young, but I think they, they need to do what Arsenal do, even what Palace do and go for, go for that young talent. And I think that really is where they would, they would do well. I think if they can get Beckham Rice, absolutely go get him, even if it's more money, even if it's Calvin Phillips, I think get someone young in that midfield. Um, mm. And I think Pogba has to go. I think that, as good a player is for Fran, he just isn't good for Man U apart from maybe three or four games a year. And I think that Rashford, I, th- I, w- I would keep him. I think he's still, I think he can still come, he can overcome this. And I think he still can, you know, get back to his best. And I think Sancho will be good again. It will be good next season. So I think, yeah, go with Young, have a couple of experienced heads in there, but not too many, have a couple of them and then try with that. Because what they've been doing for years, it's not been working. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, look, we look at the Glazers um, and we know that they also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers NFL franchise. Um, do you think that that's beneficial or detrimental or neither neither nor towards their ownership of Manchester United? I, I don't actually think it matters because I think they, they run Man United in a very different way to the, to the Bucs. Um, you know, and, and, and I think... Um, I don't think they put as much care into Man United as they do the Buccaneers. Let's put it that way. Um, so I, I, I don't think they are as invested as they could be in the long-term success of Man United. It's all about a business proposition for them. And I don't think they particularly care about the sporting success as long as it's... Commercially viable. Like, like if they, Yeah, if they made the Champions League, I think that would make a big difference to them because that would get their valuation up. But I, I think that um, I just don't see it. I don't see the passion for the club in them, and I don't see the kind of you know the 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 do what it takes to succeed. And that's the one thing you know we we, we talk about Abramovich and all that sort of stuff and and all that kind of thing. But he he kind of did what it took to be a success at Chelsea. He would change managers. He would spend the money, and you don't see that at United. And I, maybe they'll change this year. Maybe they'll decide this year's the year to go for it with a new manager. But I don't think so. I think they'll probably try buy relatively cheap players. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Who knows? It can all change. Don't, don't you find that strange though? That um, because mm. if you look at it from the outside, if if any businessman should will look at it and see that Manchester United are surely a much more marketable asset than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in terms of yeah, money making. So. In terms of a money making like business and operation. Mm. So, mm-hmm. why do you think that they don't sink that time and investment into Manchester United? Do you think it's a lack of understanding and a lack of, I guess, respect for the football and culture? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to know because, I mean, maybe they do care. Maybe there is a, you know, maybe there is a longer term plan and, and stuff like that. But I, I don't think they did have it. I think even at the 
you know, a point in rank this year was a sign that they just were a bit rudderless and they didn't really have a clue. And yeah. um, I just, I, I can't put my finger on it. I just think they see it as a business and I think that they're running it as a, without putting investment into it. And I think there comes a time in every business cycle, if you're going to look at it that way, that you have to put significant investment in. And maybe they are going to look at it this year and say, right, this is the time we've got a new manager, let's put the money in and, and spend. But yeah. ultimately, at some point, you're going to have to do it. That's just the way football is. I, I couldn't explain it myself, no honesty. It's weird. I'm glad they're not doing that well. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, me and you both. <laughs> Andy? I'll just say that I wouldn't be shocked if even the Glazers had had any say or even knowledge of what's going on in terms of the manager. It wouldn't surprise me if it was all down to the people below them. It wouldn't surprise me if the Glazers had no idea that who was being appointed. They didn't really care. They just left it to someone else to do it. It would not shock me if they just had no involvement in Ragnick's appointment. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll be interesting. I wouldn't disagree. I mean, Steve, when you look at uh, Ralph Rangnick and his current post in Manchester United, he's about to move upstairs uh, in the off-season. He's going to go into some sort of uh, executive role, probably on a consultant basis, I think, I've read somewhere. Um, do you think that will help Manchester United? If Rangnick had been a success when he came in on the field, you know, and he understood the team and how the team needs to play and how the fans want to play and how, how United need to succeed, then, yeah, I'd say him moving upstairs was great. Um, the reason he's there is so that, you know, United can move on, you know, better, younger European talent, which confuses me because if you'd kept Solskjaer in, whose, you know, remit was to rebuild the team as a younger team, um, and then brought Rangnick in as a consultant rather than as a manager, you know, Rangnick could have brought that quality of player in to help Solskjaer's team develop. Instead, you know, they, they now have these overpriced veterans that they're going to have to get rid of almost all of them this summer. You know, Mata's going to go, Ronaldo's going to go, Cavani's going to go, Pogba's going to go. They're going to have a huge amount of weight budget available, um, which you then have to say, well, is are they going to improve the team with that or are they going to improve the bottom line with that? And I think Luke hit it absolutely on the head. I'm not entirely sure that the Blazers know what's going on. I think they simply look at the balance sheets and saying, can we pay less and still get the same result this year? Yes. Okay, we'll do it. I don't think uh, Ranić will have much of remit. I think he'll he'll almost be like a, a not quite a director of football, but he'll be there to kind of scout and vet you the talent coming in. But considering he, you know, he doesn't look like a particularly great manager at the moment. His his best days at Leipzig are behind him. Um, and there's rumours this morning that Leipzig themselves might actually hijack United's bid for Ten Hag. Um, I don't, there's just, I mean, if you're Eric Ten Hag and you're given the choice of going to Man United, who are a big team but in crisis, or going to Red Bull Leipzig, who are you know currently making the, the quarterfinals of the Champions League every year, have a competitive team and have players who are like sought after around the world, and you're coming from a team like Ajax, who are making a quarterfinals of the Champions League every season, have a competitive team and your players are sort of all around the world, where are you going to go? You know, are you going to make that step Man up United. just because of the money? Man United no, every time. Th- this, is, this is a British bias on it. English right? Premiership is going to beat any other... Oh, come on, it is. No, only in, terms, only in terms of money. And only in terms of the best teams, Luke. And let's be really honest here, for the last four or five years... Man United are not one of the best teams in Europe. Are you, are you telling guess, me that if a manager was given the choice between Salzburg and, and Man United, no, no, that Salzburg, they, would, they would choose Salzburg, uh, or, Salzburg, Leipzig. Uh, Le- Leipzig and Man United? Yeah. They would choose Leipzig. Yeah, I'm saying. Really? I'm saying a manager who saying? wants. To, I'm saying a manager that wants his CV to look better. The manager that wants to win will go to a team with a potential winning. Leipzig are a competitive team. No, United, I don't believe are that. Not a competitive team, right? And when you strip out those veterans this summer, you know, you're going to be left with a bunch of very young players who need leadership. And Ten Hag is a great candidate for that. But you look across at Leipzig and that's exactly what they do. They have that conveyor belt of young talent. You know, they have that round-the-world network, which United seem to have lost. Can I just make a point? Can I just make a point? You're speaking with a lot of admiration, by the way, it sounds like, about Red Bull Leipzig, which I, I... I understand. I understand the situation. No, no, no. That's not. That's not. No, no. That's not where I'm. That's not where I'm going. I get that. I, I understand the admiration. However, 
I would like to point out that um, that the man who is very much responsible for the majority of where Red Bull Leipzig currently find themselves is Ralph Rangnick. Yeah, mm. but that's again that's that's a historic thing, and the fact that Rangnick moved on from Leipzig. I'm not and... talking about as a manager. I'm talking about as an executive. He was the director of football for Leipzig and Salzburg from 2012. We took when he was when he took over as director of football at Leipzig. They were in the fourth tier. They were in regional league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he had he, money behind him like nobody else in that division and those divisions. Yes, yes, of course. But what he has proved over those years is within a space of a few years, he took uh, he was uh, the, probably the major component in RB Leipzig going from the fourth tier to the Champions League. So what he has proved over the years is that he can build a team, he can build a squad, and surely that having him upstairs is beneficial to you as a club. Absolutely. I think if you know the league, then yes. And there's no doubt that, that Rangnick knew the German leagues and the Austrian leagues and the leagues around him. But does Rangnick have that knowledge of England? I don't think he does. I don't. I think, think you would be naive he has to that knowledge of those leagues. And I think if you start seeing United have a more kind of German-focused and, and kind of European-focused transfer plan than this summer, which realistically doesn't always work out, uh, you know, Timo Werner. Um, yeah, it just. I would argue that Timo Werner. I, 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 anyway, I'm not going to go there because this is a whole whole conversation for another season. But it's a rabbit hole. We don't want to go down. Yeah, yeah. But um, like, I, I do like. I like Timo Werner. That's all I'll say on that. I don't think he's a bad player or has been a flop. But hmm. that's a discussion for another day. But I think in terms of like, if Ten Hag was to go to Leipzig, I think Leipzig have a better structure, a better footballing structure. Yes, United are a bigger club, they're a richer club, but in terms of the network, the structure, the ability to play the game the way you want and bring in players and develop them the way you want, I think right now Leipzig are a much better football club than Man United. Okay, well, that's interesting, but uh, we do have to move on from Manchester United because we still have Arsenal, Tottenham and West Ham to talk about before we wrap up. Arsenal, the loss this weekend... 2-1 2-1 to Brighton, that's two losses in the space of a week. Uh, 3-0 to Palace last week, which I, 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 it feels like it was only 10 minutes ago that we were talking about Arsenal saying, are they actually a decent team? Have, have they finally figured it all out? And then all of a sudden they've done what Arsenal do and they've gone and lost two games that they should absolutely have won on the bounce and made it quite difficult for themselves to qualify for, your, uh, qualify for the Champions League. <sighs> What's happened? Is this just tip? Is this just typical Arsenal, Andy? Yeah, I think this. And we actually did mention this in last week's podcast. If someone had actually got the podcast that you, you'd have heard this. Um, uh, I was in Barcelona. Yeah, I apologize. it's fine. I was, I was joking, but um, but yeah, um, it's so weird because they had such a good month or two before that, and we did think we do think, oh, that was them probably getting top four, but. It's just two such weird results. I mean, Palace are a good team, don't get me wrong, but Brighton, that's a weird one because Brighton hadn't scored, has scored one goal in six games, one goal in seven games, something like that. It just drawn nil-nil with Norwich, who we've mm. all seen in before, we're going to go down. And then to win 2-1 at the Emirates, or 2-0 for most of it as well, um, that's, that's so strange. But it is typical Arsenal of the last couple of years, the way their form's gone. And on the flip side, look at Spurs, they've got hit form at the right time. They beat... Um, they won 5 1 against Villa, 4 0 against Villa, even, and they beat Newcastle 5 1. They've had some dead hitting form at the right time, and Arsenal had an awful week. So it does make that game coming up on the 12th of May, the, re- the rearranged derby, all that more exciting now. But I do think that, that was their chance, Arsenal, and they, they may have just blown it. Yeah, um, Luke, obviously, I know you like nothing more than shitting on Arsenal, but. <laughs> You watch that. You you're looking at that this week. That's two really really poor losses in a row. Where's that? Mm. Where's that come from? It's come from being bang average. That's where it's come from. <laughs> come on, I've not used that phrase for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I actually it's had quite hard to put my finger on it, and and you know how much I really hate it. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I, I hate to quit. You know, to really get stuck into Arsenal all that much. I'm, I'm quite diplomatic about it, usually <laughs> not. Uh, 
but they had been they had been going through a bit of a purple patch, and I suppose it was inevitable that it was going to end at some point. You know, yeah, of course. Um, but I didn't think the wheels had fall off quite this much. Um, that said, they're still in a you know they can still get actually past Spurs, although Spurs' form is pretty good, and, and we talked about this if, if the pod had been out. <clears throat> um, yeah, and I, I still think that Spurs are going to probably have the edge in terms of getting that. Um, I hope I hope Barcelona was good. It was. Bugger. It was. It was lovely. Um, not that they were jealous or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but Cam Newell's yeah, I, I think I think Arsenal Arsenal probably just miss out on the Champions League, and I think Spurs yeah. will, will do it. But I just don't understand why the wheels have fallen off so much. I mean, if you look at Arsenal's... Maybe it's just one of these things. I mean, if you look at Arsenal's remaining fixtures, they still have to play all of the teams around them. They still have to play uh, Southampton, Chelsea, Man United, West Ham, Leeds, Spurs, uh, Newcastle and Everton. So they still have... Like all of the three teams that they're in a race, in a race for top four mm. with, they still mm. have to play all of them. So it's still very much there for them to, to do it. But having lost three of their last four games, they're not exactly going into that um, run of fixtures in the, the best of form, in the best of spirits. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's tough for them. It's tough, and it's it's how they can lift themselves. But you could argue as well that that's a tough schedule going in, and that they're likely to drop a lot of points there. Yeah, and and that one of defeats against the teams around them will, will be fatal to their ambitions um, so you know there, there is that side of things and maybe their form is just going to dive completely let's hope so come on Steve <laughs> Steve how <laughs> important is it that they bounce back against Southampton this weekend it's absolutely crucial I mean they've lost the two you know mid-table teams that they should have they should have put out of sight but Andy alluded to earlier uh, and we talked about in the podcast last week Arsenal's kind of little purple patch was very much against teams that were, you know, as Luke points out, bang average. There were no no wins against the big boys. You know, it was sandwiched with a defeat to Nottingham Forest in the Cup. They just, they haven't turned that corner. They have a bunch of really good potential players who are starting to show this year, but they are still nowhere near the finished product. Um, they, they need to go out in the summer, need to invest again. And I don't know whether or not it'll happen because there's a lot of uh, a lot of noise around. You know, they're going to have to spend a lot of money just now repairing the Emirates, which is starting to show its age. And um, we, we talk about the Emirates and we think about it as this super modern mm. stadium because you know how much they spent on it and how how long it took. But actually, you know, Arsenal fans are consistently complaining about the fact that compared to you know even the likes of Old Trafford and Anfield, which have literally just you know, old stadiums have just been upgraded. You know, the Emirates Stadium is starting to show its age. And I think a lot of money might get devoted to that. And it might see a lot less money for Arteta to spend. And that might be a big, big factor uh, in how they develop in the next couple of years. I think this season, mm. I can't... I mean, Southampton got spanked against Chelsea this weekend. You know, it was it was men against boys. But I expect a reaction there. Um, and Arteta needs a reaction from Arsenal. So one of those two teams... Well, I mean, that, that's not going to be a draw. That's going to be two teams... They go out with a rocket up their arse being told, you need to win this. You need to prove something, you know, to be at this club next season. Um, and then you look at the, the the next couple of games. I can't see Arsenal getting anything out of a trip to Chelsea. Can you? Can anyone? Uh, not no. at the moment. No. Uh, and then they're nope. home to Man United. Nope. Two, two very dysfunctional teams. Now, to me, Arsenal should win that because United are just terrible. But... Again, it'd be very Arsenal for them to show up against the United team they're expected to beat and lose at home. Um, we've then got another London derby. They're playing West Ham. West Ham's still in their fight for the, the Europa League spots. Maybe a bit hamstrung by their European competition, but you know, it's a very, very difficult game. They've got resurgent Leeds, who I talked earlier about how Leeds' form has picked up tremendously under Jesse Marsh. They've won four of the last six. You know, They are in good, good shape right now. They've got to go to Spurs on current form. Spurs should absolutely steamroll them. Um, they've then got to go to Newcastle. Newcastle-Arsenal games, especially towards the end of the season, they are so much fun to watch. Historically, they have been absolute classics. Um, so please don't let this one be a nil-nil draw. <laughs> and it could genuinely come down to the last game <laughs> of the season where Arsenal need to win or get something from a home game against Everton, who will also need to win to stay up. Um, yeah. I just I look at the team's... 
I think Spurs actually have a much a much more balanced running uh, and on current form you know I can probably see Spurs winning four five of the last few games Arsenal three or four so I'm in agreement with Luke I think Arsenal will miss out I don't think they'll just miss out I think they might miss out by quite by five or six points um, all right, we'll come to Tottenham before uh, we wrap this up for the night. Tottenham won two in a row. They beat Newcastle quite heavily last week. Newcastle were tragic. Um, I was keeping up with it while I was walking around the city in Barcelona. Did I mention that I went to Barcelona last week, boys? Oh, you haven't actually. Yeah. Barcelona. <laughs> no. Yeah, I did. I did. There was a Doctor Who joke in there. <laughs> It was just before that was just before I went to the Camp Nou. It was just before I went to the Camp Nou to watch Barcelona Sevilla actually. And the watched, Camp Nou? Uh, did you go watched, to Barcelona? I did. And watched a Pedri Masterclass, just so you know. That uh, goal was superb. It was, and I caught it on film. Doesn't he play for Barcelona as well? He does. Doesn't it's he? weird yeah, that, isn't does. it? It's really strange that. You can you can only see him if you go to the Camp Nou. You can. That's yeah, that's another fact. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds a bit like Sounds a bit like a Euro trips. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's a good. Welcome, Andy. You're welcome. Andy, have you, Andy, have welcome. Been Barcelona. Uh, I've been there years ago, but not for Euro trips. No. Oh, that's weird. That's weird because I have. Um, and didn't film any footage for the channel. It's <laughs> I actually filmed an insane amount of footage of Barcelona because it's. I mean, that was a good, that, the one you filmed of the um, nice. for I two cover was so good. Like that footage of the stadium itself, the picture of it, and then the actual goal of Pedri was just superb. Thanks, mate. It is my job, but thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, Spurs five-one win, and then obviously they've gone and battered Villa this weekend. Uh, two really big wins in a row. After well, that's four wins in a row now. But Spurs' form is just strange. But Harry Kane and Son seem to have hit form at just the right time, haven't they, Andy? Yeah, um, form has actually helped me top the table of our fancy league ahead of Steve. Just to um, just to put out there, but um, <laughs> but I do like the Spurs form's great. And it obviously we got to play it. That's I we mentioned games we're going to play at the end of our year. I think that's probably our toughest game. Probably is the Spurs game because they're in such good form. Um, they had Dottie playing well for the first time in his Spurs career. Um, Steve mentioned him in our transfer special. Kuliseski's been an amazing signing for Tottenham. He's been so good. And then Kane and Son have been excellent. I think Kane is now back to the player uh, we all knew before the start of the year. The, the player City wanted, I think, that ever since that goal against City in the last minute, He's been excellent. He's been superb. And he was brilliant again on the weekend. Some of the passes he made were superb. I think it was either Newcastle's or the Villa game where he made a sensational ball to Son and Son couldn't score. And that would be one of the goals, the passes of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, See, so yeah, I do like, I think they scored the third most goals in the whole Premier League since Conte came in behind Liverpool and Man City. Yeah. So they're doing well. They're playing often three at the back with um like, Dot he won until he got ruled out for the season. He's playing a lot of times fullback. And yeah, I really like what they're doing. I really like what he's done mm. as Spurs. I really like the way they're playing. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah. So I do think Spurs on current form are going to get top four because they've got Conte, first of all, and he's such a good manager and he is really turning this team around and getting them playing the way he wants to. So I think it is down to a mixture of Conte getting his ideas through to the players, but also the. Um, the introduction of Kulusevski as well. Yeah, I mean, Dejan Kulusevski's mm. been an absolute like, revelation of a signer. What a player. Um, yeah, I mean, mm. we are sort of running out of time, so what we'll do is we'll have a little prediction for who gets fourth spot. We'll go around the group, see who gets fourth spot, see who just misses out, um, and then we'll call it a day, I think. Andy? I'm going for Tottenham fourth. And you're going to think I'm mad right here. You're going to think I'm mad. The team to finish fifth and to miss out on Man United. Oh. Interesting. Ooh. I don't know why. I've got something they're going to somehow... I don't know. I think with West Ham and... I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. I have no idea what the reason is. I think West Ham's your belief is going to mess them up fixture-wise if they beat Leon. I don't know. There's something tells you that it's still completely plausible, Andy. It's not like you've um, you've just 
wished for something it's impossible. Not that far removed. To it's be honest. Yeah. still completely plausible, mate. Steve, mm. I'm going to give you the hot take that you want here. The team that's going to finish fourth in the league is Chelsea. Chelsea oh. are going to finish third. Up you, Steve. <laughs> and Arsenal are going to finish fifth. <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, just to point, just to point out, Tottenham are five points behind Chelsea and uh, have played one game more than them. Um, so that's as our Rangers behind Celtic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're Steve. Oh, <laughs> Andy <laughs> throwing. Oh, Andy's throwing. Is you asking for a fight? <laughs> it's actually six out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Andy's uh, Andy's throwing digs, but Luke, what's your answer, man? What's yes, your I, mean. <laughs> uh, I think Spurs to finish fourth. I, I think actually, yeah, I think Arsenal will still finish fifth. Actually, I think Arsenal will just miss out. I think they probably don't drop away too much, but they they just don't do quite enough. And the reason for that is I think that West Ham and Man United their form is a bit patchy as well. Yeah. So probably all three of them drop away a bit and it doesn't change all that much. All right, that's fair enough. I think um, I think that's just about what's done final for Final take on this one, right? Finishing fourth will not get Spurs Champions League because West Ham will win the Europa League. It doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't work like that anymore. Though. You can have you can have five in the Champions League now. It doesn't work like that. I thought they changed that after the whole Liverpool fiasco. They changed it to five, didn't they? Uh, after the child like, a few think. years ago. I'm sure yeah. you can have five now. Fair enough. Well, they changed them that much. It's, it is quite hard to go. keep up, in fairness. Anyway, yeah, that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, and we will be back again next week to discuss another round of fixtures in the Premier League and possibly even some Champions League football if we've got time. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you then.